Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Man Challenge fellas, welcome to week three of fall semester of Man Challenge. We're focusing on Be the Branch. It's one of Southeast Christ Church's five mantras that we're unapologetically going after as a church. And I want to remind us men that our role is to lead the charge with where God is leading us. Uh, this is not a message of male chauvinism. It's one that's biblical. Biblically, God calls us as men to be initiators. And so it's important that we're initiating right things. So before we get excited and take a big breath, be like, oh, okay, I'm uh, sitting on the park lounge with a beer in one hand, remote in the other, and barking orders around my wife, kids. No, <laughs> this is a posture of servanthood. So it's making sure we're initiating, modeling what Jesus wants to model. So that's a big responsibility. I'm here with Chris Burt and Sam Reeder. Um, these men, I want to point something out. This would embarrass them, but I'm going to say it anyway. These men are ordinary men. They are not seminary-trained teachers. These two men are man-challenged table leaders, uh, volunteers who don't possess any special powers or skills uh, that every single one of you men watching have the same access to. And here's what I want you to hear, and it's intended to be both encouragement and potentially for some of you a kick in the pills. Here it is. Uh, these men both had a day when picking up their Bible was a first time mm. occurrence. They didn't pop out of the womb and start quoting John 15. All right. There was a first day. So Sam reader, when was the first time for yourself to truly dive in? Not, uh, anything other than that personally, when was your first time roughly? I'd say, uh, mid to late twenties. So I grew up in the church and, I don't know, in elementary school, I can remember quoting verses. I was encouraged to memorize passages, but uh, I pretty much knew what they meant based on what people told me they meant. Uh, in my li- mid to late 20s, probably 26 or 27, I finally was kind of like coming face to face with, is my faith my faith or something I inherited simply? Uh, so that's when I really started open, opening up God's word just in my, on my own time, diving in, what the heck does this mean? What is this about? And how old are you today? 31. So five to seven years ago yeah. is when you really started sure. diving in intentionally. Okay. Chris, what about you? Uh, I was 23 years old, uh, playing minor league baseball at the time. And uh, similar to Sam, kind of really wrestling with my faith from a standpoint of owning it and uh Truly uh, diving into what I was claiming to be, which was a Christian. I found myself as a team chaplain of our AA team, yet I really had no, no roots in the word. And so I played with a guy by the name of Anthony Acevedo, who did. He was an oak mm. planted by, by streams. It was very obvious to me, and I wanted what he had. And um, he, in a very loving, uh, non-judgmental way, called me to dive into the word. And so I took him up on it. Uh, and that was 17 years ago. 17 years. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome, Bert. Uh, 
That's why the walker's over there on the side of the stage. I didn't realize that. So, okay, guys, here's why this is important. One of our men's values here at Southeast is to help develop a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is. It's not a magic prayer you pray. It's not a certain personality type. It's something that happens from us being intentional and anchoring God's word deep into our soul. That's not a one-time. It's not a strong month. It's a consistent um, a cumulative approach, and it's the reason why men like Chris and Sam have a growing competence and confidence of who Jesus is, is because they prioritize um, getting into the Word. We're going to bypass uh, their daily and weekly rhythms because uh, we know Bubble Bath Boy over here, and we know we know the rhythms, but the fact is it's a rhythm. They don't schedule life and then just try to figure out where this fits in. Um, it's a priority, and so can you. Um, but I can't do it for you. These men can't do it for you. Kyle can't do it for you. Mason, don't settle for knowing about Jesus through whatever the man with the mic is telling you about. Dive in for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's good. Amen. God's word's intended to be a roadmap for this life. It's not, uh, and if you're not looking at a roadmap, uh, you're, you're basically going to get lost mm. in the shuffle of life real quick. Add COVID, add really quick. Someone once said, show me a man whose Bible is falling apart, and I'll show you a man whose life is not. That is, that's truth worth tattooing on your arm. Um, so the challenge, before we dive in, is uh, generically, is, hey, just today, wherever you're at, no matter how old you are getting started or whatever lies the enemy's trying to fill in your head, pursue starting today being a man who intentionally and consistently anchors God's word into your heart. One verse at a time. Um, Not for biblical bragging rights, not so you can sound smart in a debate, so that you can focus on Jesus' love language, which we'll talk about in a minute, obedience. Um, Promise you it won't return void. So then third week of Man Challenge this semester. Chris, recap the previous three, uh, previous two weeks to bring us up speed for any guy that's just jumping in today. Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, if you're new, welcome. Uh, You're in the right place. Uh, if you're not new and you've missed the first two weeks, what the heck you've been doing? Let's go. <laughs> uh, and just before we get started, uh, as you're listening to this, it is the first week of the SEC, which means it's the official start of the college football season. So I just figured I'd wear the power team, as everybody knows, the premier program in all college sports. So with that truth, I'll, I'll get into God's word. Uh, so we've been in John 15 verses one through eight. Uh, and man, we've been in some good stuff. Uh, I just say, uh, a little plug for our group. We, we had maybe the best table time we've ever had last week. So it's just mm. been, uh, for lack of a better term, very fruitful first couple of weeks for us. So uh, just a, a quick overview of the first eight verses from chapter 15. I, think, I thought Sam did a great job. Uh, verse one, a highlight, Jesus is the true vine. There's a bunch of false vines out there. Jesus is the true vine. It's not politics. It's not hobbies. Uh, it's not work. It's not religion. Uh, it's Jesus. Jesus is the true vine and God is the gardener. And because God is the gardener, um, he not only cuts sticks off and throws them out, but he also prunes those that are fruitful so that they will be more fruitful. And we talked about the uncomfortable, the often uncomfortable pruning process in our life. In verse three, um, Jesus explains that his word, his spoken word about his identity, about being the Messiah, about being the way, the truth, and the life is what cleans us. That is what saves us. Um, and I, I pray that every man hearing my voice right now has accepted that, um, that saving grace that only, only Jesus offers. And in verse four, 
He, he hits hard. The identity of a branch is very clear. The identity of a branch, it is connected to the vine for the glory of God so that you may bear fruit. Uh, and men, if you're looking for a purpose in your life, it is very clear. You are called to be a branch that's connected to the vine of Jesus so that God will get glory through the good fruit that he bears in your life. Uh, and then in week two, we hit verse five, which was apart from me, you can do nothing. We had some great conversation about what does that mean? Wait a second. I love how Mason said, what you mean? I can throw a pen right at your face right now. That's great. something. Uh, we had a good laugh about that. But uh, essentially anything that, that matters, anything that lasts, anything that works in God's eternal economy can only be done uh, through being connected to the vine. Um, in, in verse stick, we got this great example of the difference between a stick and a branch. And I just think that is a powerful, this whole thing's a powerful metaphor, but when we are connected to Jesus, we are branches. When we are disconnected, we are sticks. Now, the beautiful thing is we're all born sticks. And so we are all offered the grace of being connected to the vine. Uh, but at the end of the day, there will be sticks, there will be branches, and there is judgment. And that is real. Uh, and we would do well to, to meditate that on. And if we believe that is true, then we should be out there preaching the gospel. Amen. If we believe that, that heaven is real, that also means that hell is real um, and that there will be a judgment and, and we are called to share that good, good news uh, with others. Um, Jesus in verse seven promises us that our desire to bear fruit will show up. And then he tells us in verse eight uh, that our role as fruit bearers, the heart of that uh, is to bring God glory. So uh, he, he repeats himself uh, to a degree, which means it must be pretty important. Mm. Uh, remain, abide stay connected to the vine, that, that makes us branches, we will bear good fruit, and all that is for God's glory. First two weeks in a nutshell. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Nice. All right, <laughs> Sam, let's read from the original translation, the NIV. All right, this week we move out of metaphor and into our next chunk, which will be verses 9 through 13. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. There we go. All right, so this... Today, we're focusing on two aspects from this text. We're talking about love and joy and how they're intertwined. And so ironically, these first two fruits uh, are these things we're mentioned, these love and joy are the first two fruits of the, of the spirit that's mentioned in Galatians 5.22. As we just heard Sam read, you heard, if you paid attention, love is mentioned eight times. Mm. And one might say we should pay extra attention to a word that's used eight times in just five verses. And thanks to Grant Roth, our new men's uh, resident, he shared with me earlier this week that all eight times, this was actually originally in the Greek, and all eight times the word love has the same word that's used. Uh, it's the word agape, and essentially a simple ver of definition of this is it's unconditional love. It's the highest form of love. It's... Um, it's I love you because I love you mm. um, while you were still a sinner in your worst moments. I love you at max levels. That's agape love. It's not a casual or self-serving type of love like you hear at a Justin Bieber concert. You know, <laughs> I love you all or at the Oscars. It's, it's not that. In fact, that drives me nuts. It's like that's not love. You mm -hmm. just love the money that's being put in your pocket. So let's jump in. Chris, help us understand 
verse 9. Talk about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son here. Well, you know, the Bible gives us a couple really clear looks, um, uh, beautiful looks, I think, that we would do well to model uh, for those of us who are fathers um, on how the Father loves the Son. You, you think about the baptism and the transfiguration. Both times, God acknowledges Jesus. He mm. calls him as his son. He says, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. And at the transfiguration, he says, listen to him. <laughs> oh, by the way, you might you do well to listen to this guy. But I just think what a model for us as fathers um, to, to speak that into our sons, our daughters. Hey, this is my son. This is, you are my son. You are my daughter whom I love. Hmm. You know, I think about all the stories we've heard in life where somebody said their dad never said they loved them, hmm. which blows my mind because I'm like probably over the top with that. But, um, and I know some of that's a generational thing, but I just think like, again, if we're, if we're followers of Jesus and ultimately through Jesus can know the father, the model that God gives us for how we are to speak to our children of course, we know discipline, we know truth, we, all that stuff, right? But just this calling out of like, you are my son, you are my daughter, I am pleased with you, I love you. Not mm. because, just that's who you are, that's your identity. Mm. Uh, it's a, it, I just, you know, obviously we've been talking through this. It's a, something to keep on our minds, the, the influence of those words. Imagine even Jesus, how he must have felt in those moments when, when God's audible voice spoke that out. Mm. Mm. So let's move on to the, let's talk the last five words of verse nine and then roll into, into verse 10. Sam, uh, how do we remain, abide in his love? What is, what's that even mean and why should we do it? It's a great question. I, I love this text. It, it fl- has such a, a logical thought flow through mm-hmm. it. Uh, Cause Jesus says, just like the father has loved me, I love you so remain in my love. And like that feels good, but then like, I feel like the very, Next thought I have is, well, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. Which beautifully, verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. That's how you do it. You keep my commands just as I have kept my father's commands. So I have remained in his. I would love you all to jump in on this too, because this is a verse, um, works righteousness is a term that kind of comes to mind that uh, I can earn God's love if I keep his commands. That can be one way you might, you might read this and take away that, man, that feels like God's love for me is conditional. Um, as we read more of this passage, we're going to get greater clarity on this idea, but I, I would say it would be helpful to pause and to say, without a doubt, God's love is unconditional. And we see that in a lot of ways throughout Scripture. Another book that the author John wrote is 1 John. And in 1 John 4, he, he says, God is love. Like when we try to understand this, this character of God, this love, he is love itself. And, and we know that the greatest expression of that is that he sent his son, mm-hmm. not because we deserve it, but even while we were still sinners, you've already said it, Ronnie, he sent his son. So God's love for sure is unconditional. Now, we tend to tie the word love with salvation and make them synonymous, and they're not. Love is the character of God. Salvation is an action. It's an act of saving us. And it's a gift. And it's a gift, and it is conditional. Jesus has made that point over and over and over through the book of John, and that's what we've talked about the first two weeks. He alone is the vine. 
He is the door. He is the light. He is the resurrection. He has said it over and over and over. This is why there was so much outrage with the teachers of his day because he said the only way to the Father is through him. Mm-hmm. It's conditional, but conditional through faith, not through works. That's right. Mm-hmm. So the salvation piece is conditional on the, on the person work of Jesus, but the love of God is totally unconditional. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that it's helpful to, to clarify that, and we'll see more of that play out as we continue to walk through this passage. But I'm curious, you know, your all's thoughts on that because that can kind of get you sideways real quick. Yeah, Dan Spader uh, wrecked my faith about six years ago <laughs> in a good way. But one thing that sticks out is him talking about obedience as God's love language. Mm. Um, but in this verse, it's both powerful and dangerous based for the reasons that you shared. Sure. It's we pursue being obedient to God, not in an attempt to earn favor with God. You know, you mentioned some some sons have never heard their dad say, I love you or I'm mm. proud of you. Man, I've seen some of you men work stupid amounts of hours and pursue crazy things in the effort still as grown men to try to get your dad to say, man, son, I'm proud of you. Mm. And that is, that's a bottomless pit. Um, and so it's important reg- regardless of if, if you had a father who was like that or mm-hmm. an earthly father mm-hmm. like mine. My dad's one of my biggest encouragers, so I can't relate to that. But regardless, we don't pursue being obedient to God in, in the pursuit of earning favor with God. It's not like, hey, God loves me more today because I did good deeds mm-hmm. or he's ticked at me because I did. You know, I, I think of... I grew up with a decent amount of, of man-made based legalism. And by the way, I'm grateful for my spiritual upbringing. But when I step back as an adult, it's like, man, this was, these were some subconscious messages, but things like that, that really played against, uh, made this verse dangerous. Checklists were big things. Uh, really, they were judgment checklists, but things like, man, God's really proud of me today because I got up early and I had a good quiet time. Man, it, it, it doesn't matter how I live the rest of the day. It's the fact that, boom, done. Or God loves me more today because I tithed. Maybe even we gave more than a tithe. So he's winking. Really in love with you today. Yeah, man. He's, it's, it's almost like free pass to sin the rest of the day because you, you tithe out of the gate. Or God's ticked at me because I lusted after that woman at the gym. I did a double take. I did a triple take. What the heck? I'm staring. Like he is so ticked at me right now. Uh, or God's shaking his head at me because I, because I missed church. I was up too late um, and just didn't get out of bed. And this type of, of thinking, at best, is it's in a dangerous way. It's trying to turn God into my personal genie uh, or cosmic killjoy that pushes towards performance Christianity, which is not what Jesus modeled. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a if-then. Any of you have kids, man, I, I think of my kids— it, I call them negotiations, sibling negotiations. You know, hey, if you do this for me, I'll mm-hmm. I'll do the, that for you. And that's that's not well. And I think I think you bring up a good point with the kids. And 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 anytime we make these comparisons, it's a little dangerous. But mm. like God does, like and Jesus makes it very clear here. When we obey, we remain in His love. That is for our good. Okay. Now I'm a wannabe football coach. Okay, I, I pretend to be one on the weekends and weekdays. One of my jobs is to run the offense for my oldest son, Jackson's team, okay? <clears throat> when we run pass plays where he's supposed to stay in the pocket and he doesn't, you know what happens to him? And he weighs about 75 pounds and some of these D-linemen are about 180. Those aren't great odds, okay, for my man uh, standing up time after time after time. 
when he goes out of the pocket, when he's supposed to stay in it, you know what I do? I get really mad. Why? That pocket is for his good. Mm -hmm. Stay in the pocket, son. You're the safest right there. I know it feels like you need to leave it. I know that feels right, but you're safest right there in that pocket. And I always love him. But actually, my, my anger is out of the love. Like, I really don't want you to get a broken collarbone. So if you don't, just mind to stay in the pocket. And so, again, God's emotions, that's so far above me. But yeah. what I'm saying is the obedience to do what God's called us to is out of his love for us. And sometimes we have a hard time because it wars against our flesh. It doesn't feel, that can't be love. This is my flesh tells me I'm supposed to do this. So I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm going to follow my heart. Mm. If God loves me, he, surely he'd be for that. Mm. No, God wants you to stay in that pocket and mm. it is for your good. It is for your uh, uh, long-term joy and fruit. Um, and he knows better than you because he's seen the end result of when you get outside that pocket. So that's my jock analogy for... And, and staying in the pocket, whatever that means, I'm not a football guy, but <laughs> it's not a life of, of playing it safe mm -mm. and comfort. That's not the message here. No. It's not a vanilla life. You it's, know what happens when he stays in the pocket? He throws touchdowns. That's a good thing. There you go. <laughs> Every, everybody celebrates. It's, so it's I'll very keep that metaphor much going. football That's right. fruit. That's right. But That's we right. digress. All right, let's move on to verse 11. Uh, are we good to move on verse 11? Okay. Sam, let's talk verse 11. Uh, unpack that for us. Uh, so let's just read it again. Uh, <clears throat> These things I have spoken to you. So he said, I'm in the Father's love, so stay in my love. Keep my commands. That's how you stay in my love, just like I stayed in his love by keeping his commands. So verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So we've been talking about some deep stuff here the past few weeks, and I, I would say uh, shy away from the temptation to think that he's just talking about a feeling of happiness mm -hmm. simply. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I'm a happy guy. If you want to be a happy guy, just this is how you live. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot more than just a simple, shallow happiness, a joy. Your team won this weekend, you know? Um, I think to really get a hold of this joy that he's talking about uh, requires God's perspective. Um, that, that word that's used for joy can be translated delight and gladness, a source of joy for sure. Uh, but more properly, it is an awareness of God's grace. So it is joy because of grace. Hmm. And so when he says that your joy may be complete, that it would be full, that it would be filled to the brim, I, I think we have to understand that he is talking about ultimate things and our our ultimate thing for us to have that perspective is to recognize what our ultimate problem is and that is sin like that which separates us from the vine that's our greatest problem and so to, to have complete joy would be to have a solution to that problem that would require a savior and that is only found in Christ so when Christ is in us he, he completes our joy we have real lasting joy that is not bound by our circumstances because it is rooted in the author and perfecter of our faith, mm. Jesus. So it, we're not just, I mean, happiness is a good thing mm -hmm. and it's a good feeling and that's part of it for sure. But I think there's a, a much deeper understanding of what he's getting at here, saying that he wants his joy to be in us and to make us complete. And I think we would all agree the people we know in our life that have the most joy, mm. biblical joy, 
are connected to the vine, Amen. right? They're remaining in Jesus's love. They remain in his love through obedience. And the blessing of that obedience is this complete joy, this life to the full that John talks about in 1010. Um, and, and God has that for you. God is offering that to you. You know, we talk about the gift and the prize. The gift is salvation through death on the cross and the faith in that. The prize is that holy living that God's calling you to through obedience, mm. that complete joy um, that the world doesn't offer. The world's chasing after the wind. It's running after your tail. We've all seen it play out in a million different men's life that you'd think would be very happy. Why is that dude miserable and this dude joyful? That's God's economy, man. Uh, it also bears, bears saying that our joy is under attack, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it, though Jesus provides this, there are many things and entities warring against that. I, Ronnie, you unpack that for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is a, a spiritual warfare at play against our joy. Mm-hmm. You know, you said happiness. It, God's ultimate goal is not for me to be happy or comfortable. He's not anti that. That's just not his ultimate goal. It's to bear much fruit um, and to, to become holy. That's his ultimate goal. And so, you know, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober mind. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, for someone who's connected to the vine or striving to stay connected to the vine to go, mm. not pruning, mm-hmm. cut. Uh, and uh, I can tell you in 2019, uh, this was way before COVID, our family was staring into the armpit of hell um, for about, 10 months. Mm. Um, details aren't important for this conversation, but I had a rhythm pretty much every night after um, Tish and the kids had gone to bed where I, d- I didn't watch TV. Instead, I'd go in our family room and I'd, I'd turn on, on our smart TV, this playlist of YouTube. And I would listen to these songs over and over again. Um, songs like Sea of Victory, Surrounded, Fight My Battles, Give Me Jesus, Waymaker, Good, Good Father, break every chain and there, there's a whole a whole playlist of that it was it was not a joyful joy filled time in our home I'd be lying to say hey it's all good mm-hmm. but and this is the great thing about how Jesus completes our joy I found Jesus type joy in the fact that though the enemy is powerful Jesus is all powerful mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we can almost accidentally imply like you know why would you why would you give in to sin it, you know it's it's not fun sin's fun it, it, it almost as if the enemy's not po- the enemy's more powerful than us he will mm. take us out on our own but when we're connected to the vine mm. and we have this joy jesus complete joy it allows us to rise mm. above whatever crap is going on in our life and to in an authentic way um, to choose to be joyful. Yeah. And I, I think I speak for Sam and, and those of us that were fortunate to kind of walk us uh, alongside of you through that. Like it was edifying for me mm. to watch you grasp that joy that only God offers through a time that was that, was that dark. So uh, just beautiful to see the truth of God's word play out in the, in the life of a brother. Yeah. Uh, and how you fought your battles is a model for all, us all uh, through that. So, well... Yeah, just for clarity, it seemed like every day I was standing at the edge of the cliff, couldn't go forward, and then somehow got moved forward. Mm. But um, other dudes help help keep us keep us faithful. I will tell you guys this: um, God's bigger than all this, but 
it's best to be connected to the vine before the crap shoots of life mm. happen. Um, it's not impossible, but crap shoot of life happens, and then you try to get connected to the vine. Uh, that's just a really hard place. So, um, yeah, we'll come back to that later. Hey, Chris, let's jump into uh, talk t- verse 12. Yeah, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Man, I would just tell you this, like Jesus does not throw out suggestions and then say good luck with that. Like love each other, comma, as I have loved you. So he's talking to the disciples. He's about to go to the cross. Um, and what do we know that he just did? He just washed their feet, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I don't care where life finds you. Look to Jesus first as the model for how to navigate whatever it is or wherever it is that life has you. And I would just say a couple, just a couple real quick points on how, how Jesus loved the disciples that we would do well to, to follow. Number one, Jesus used his words meaningfully and powerfully, mm-hmm. right? And he also warned us about our words. Um, overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Every, every careless word you have ever spoken, you'll, you'll be held accountable for. Like Jesus talked about our words a lot and he also used his words very powerfully. So I would just caution to you men out there and, and a, an encouragement to you men out there, your words matter. They can give life. They can, they can speak identity into people. They can uh, commission people. They can tear people down. And like the truth is it comes from your heart and Jesus is calling you uh, to guard your heart so that out of the overflow of that, your words will breathe life into others. That's, that, it, Jesus modeled that well to his disciples. He spoke the truth in love consistently, uh, and he's calling us to the same thing. And the second thing was, we just talked about it uh, a second ago, and Jesus loved the disciples by serving them well uh, and left them with that example. Uh, and this concept of dying to self to love others is so radical. It's so, so against what we view worldly leadership is. Hey, man, I get to the top. These other people are here to serve me. But mm-hmm. we all know now, now it's like an in vogue thing to do is this servant leadership that came from Jesus, the model of Christ. Um, and so love as I have loved you. What do we learn about how Jesus loved the disciples? Uh, just two things, man, your words matter uh, and look for way to, ways to serve others. Uh, and that is a way that you're proving yourself to be a branch uh, and you will bear good fruit. Mm, that's good. Those are good. And you know, the, the first two words there, or the second word, my command, you know, that's not a, Hey, here's a suggestion. Mm-hmm. If you, if, if you're bored, <laughs> but it's not, you can think, well, man, that's, that's spiritual arrogant thing to say. No, because he modeled it. Mm-hmm. He, he went before us. It's, it's one thing for me to look at you guys and ask you got command you, Hey, go do mm-hmm. that. And I, I haven't, I'm not willing to right. do it or haven't done it. It's another thing to be like, Hey, follow me. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been doing. Uh, that's and you know what? The truth is he's Lord. So he, he, he has the right to command. He could have. <laughs> yeah. He is Lord. Um, but Yeah. Interesting. All right, Sam, let's, uh, let's move on, wrap up with verse 13 here. <coughs> All right, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. <coughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, so Burke has just kind of reminded us the, the immediate context of this whole passage is probably now they've left the upper room and they're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is talking to his closest companions and he's about to go to the garden, uh, be arrested and be tortured 
and murdered. And he's telling them, stay connected to the vine. The Father loves me. I love you. Abide in that love. Obey my commands. Love one another. That's how you live. And then he caps it off with verse 13. Guys, there is no greater expression of this than to lay down your life for your friend. So if you are new to Christianity, to Man Challenge, to church, to the Bible, this is Christianity 101. This is what it means to be a Christian. It is an other's orientation. That it is no longer about you. You have died to yourself. It is about others. It is walking in love. And and our model for this is the king of the universe, Jesus, who, who did nothing wrong, was fully in the will of the Lord, and humbled himself to the point of death on a cross in order to redeem us who didn't deserve it, back to the Father. That is the good news of the gospel, that that God would step out of eternity past, put on flesh, be murdered for our good, resurrect, ascend to the Father, and and doing so, redeem us back to him to provide a way for us to reattach or to attach to the true vine. Mm. That is a gift that was given to us unconditionally because of his love through Jesus. So that, that is what it means to, to be a Christian, is to live in a way that is others-oriented. Now, uh, that can sound extreme. So like, okay, I need to go like physically die for other people or else I'm not a Christian. Uh, a helpful quote uh, from a guy named Mark Moore uh, is, laying down your life may not look like dying the way that Jesus died, but it definitely looks like living the way that Jesus lived. Mm. So I think those points you just hit on, Burke, uh, Use your words, they're meaningful, they're powerful. Look for ways to serve others. I think those are very tangible expressions of that agape love that mm-hmm. Ronnie hit on. If it's eight times in five verses, it's probably important. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not what our culture teaches us, but this is what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about you anymore. You are a branch to bear fruit for the vine. We die to ourselves so that Christ may live in and through us because that is the best news in the history of time. So welcome to Christianity. That's that's <laughs> verse 13 in a nutshell. Uh, but yeah, Ronald, land the plane for us. Let's. Yeah, so based on these five verses, what would be your one-man challenge for both yourself and for all the men in our man challenge groups today? Chris, what, what, would, you, what would your man challenge be? Um, you know, I would say, you know, I listed those two characteristics of how we should look to the model of Jesus and, and on how to love others. And I would just speaking to a group of men, uh, I would challenge you to be prayerful about how you're using your words. Mm. You know, w- one of the things that God has put in my mind lately about all facets of my life as I try to subtract and be excellent in what he's called me in and what I've said yes to is um, this idea that uh, how's it going? I know it sounds simple, but like, well, how we doing? Sarah and I, how we doing? How the kids doing? And what, how's that reflect our intentionality as parents, right? Like, how you doing with your words? You know, how we doing with that? So I would just challenge the men in the room to spend some time with the Lord, ask him to reveal to you how you can use your words more intentionally. Um, and that doesn't just mean cuss less or, or stop cussing. Um, but how are we using our words? I know it's a struggle with mine. And so uh, I'm going to be going to the Lord with that too intentionally. And I would, I would challenge the men here to do the same. Hmm. That's good. Sam, what about you? If Bert goes words, I'll go actions. Uh, 
I'd say choose one person intentionally to serve, uh, whatever that looks like in your life, every day for a week. And while you do that, pray that the Lord would teach you to love others the way that Christ loves us. So maybe that's uh, loving your spouse intentionally by serving them this week. Um, Maybe that looks like doing dishes. Uh, Maybe it looks like helping out an elderly neighbor or a tough neighbor. Uh, Maybe it looks like serving a coworker or your boss. But I would say whatever you feel convicted to do, find a way to intentionally serve one person. And while you do it, pray that the Lord would teach you how to love others the way that Christ loves us. Mm. Mine would be, you know, this is man challenge, not freshman jersey challenge, right? So, and again, not to earn favor, but pursuing Jesus and obedience. One is share one thing with your man challenge group this morning or today that truth be told, you haven't been obedient and you know you haven't been obedient. Something hard, not, not, the, not the safe version piece. Something hard. And then this week, to pursue surrendered obedience. Again, not in trying to earn favor, but in, in trying to honor Jesus. I think that's good. Uh, based on these five verses, what would one specific question, what would you have to benefit, to be beneficial to unpack? Chris, as a group. Uh, Yeah, well, I think you kind of just teed that up well. What's an area uh, that you know God's calling you to be obedient in that for whatever reason um, you're struggling with? You know, we had kind of an aha moment in our group this last week about the fruits of the Spirit and Jesus saying, whatever you ask for in my name, I will give you. And it's on the heels of talking about fruit. And so we unpack the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And like one guy in our group said, you know, I've never prayed for self-control. Mm-hmm. And so if there's, a, if there's a piece of the fruits of the Spirit that you are really struggling with displaying consistently in your life, um, I would just say, what is that? Good. Uh, and are you taking that to the Lord in prayer? It's mm. good. Sam, what about you? Uh, if our two big themes for the week are love and joy, I would, to hone in on joy, I would say, uh, Think about and process what most often robs you of your joy. And then to follow that up, uh, how can you surrender that to the Lord? Mm. Good. Back to, back to Chris's, uh, I want to make sure that we all agree, yes, we all need encouragement and accountability to grow. But I want to make sure that in our table discussion time, we don't accidentally turn these times into to we suck groups and we suck times. Yes, we need to be honest and, uh, and be sharpened. But let's also focus today on, hey, where's, where is one specific thing you are being obedient intentionally, not mm-hmm. accidentally, mm-hmm. but you're being obedient? Because I think that's, it's important we celebrate that progress, yep. not good. perfection. So let me pray. We'll, be, uh, we'll tee you guys up. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for your word and how it doesn't change with viruses and it doesn't change with the tides of culture it's always relevant to every one of us and so father thank you uh, for entrusting us to tee this up this today and i pray that you would use it use our table leaders give them a spirit of wisdom and discernment as they navigate unpacking um, these verses to get together and father as we're placed all over the city today would you would you use us um to pursue you in such a way that it gives us a platform to, to share the reason we, 
for the reason we have the, in our hope in you and do it with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your grace when we uh, mess it up. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.